This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. There's a hashtag trending on TikTok and it's post-pandemic babies. If you feel like disappearing down that rabbit hole, you'll be rewarded by some funny, tragic videos of little kids rubbernecking in wonderment at the experience of being out and about again in crowded shopping centres. Like all things with a hashtag, they're a mix of hilarious and tragic. But as we head into what we hope and pray is a post-pandemic world, our own babies are about to go through something similar. Hopefully, we'll all be flying and driving to reunite with families And this holiday season, more than ever, the pressure is on to gather and celebrate with the people we've missed for a year. You're you're just going to take it in stride when you see everybody because you've done it so many times. But for a little child, it's really quite a new event and that can throw them off stride and it can lead to more tantrums. They're unsure, they're, they're being approached by strangers whom they don't know who are acting overly familiar with them. It can be a stressful situation for the little ones. So how are you going to set your toddlers and babies up to cope with what we hope is a joyous onslaught of grandmas, grandpas, baby-deprived aunties, uncles, cousins and friends? Dr. Harvey Karp is an LA-based paediatrician and he was given the title of Paediatrician to the Stars a few years ago. But he's also a passionate advocate of babies, helping give their parents the skills to deal with what babies really want out of life. And he joins Baby Talk today to talk about helping you prepare your baby for post-pandemic life. Dr. Karp, it is so good to talk to you again. How have you been surviving the last two years of a pandemic in the United States? I know it has been a while since we've spoken. Things are very, very exciting for us. You know, I have been running a marathon since I saw you last, helping to work with hospitals and work with families to improve their infant sleep and to and to keep the fam- babies and the family safer using snooze. So it's been actually quite a whirlwind since since I was in Melbourne last. I'm wondering, how have you seen the pandemic affecting new parents in the US? Oh my God, it's been crushing. I mean, in so many ways. I mean, number one, when you have a baby, of course there was a big lie in our culture anyway, when you had a baby, like who takes care of the baby? Well, it's the mother, father, or the, or the partners, or the, that little nuclear family. And it turns out that's, a completely wrong concept. I mean, the, the people who are supposed to take care of the baby are the grandmother and the aunt and the older sister and the next door neighbor's older daughter and that whole extended family. And so parents already were struggling with this hard job of juggling all the balls, you know, cleaning the house, uh, taking care of your job or two jobs and maybe helping your parents and doing uh, doing well in your community and then taking care of a baby as well. And they thought they were supposed to juggle it all. But uh, the pandemic really uh, knocked them over like bowling pins because you couldn't get help. You couldn't get anyone to help you. I, I'm assuming that was that same way down in, in Melbourne or in, in Australia with the lockdowns as well. Yeah, well, particularly for Victoria and New South Wales, which are biggest states of particularly mm-hmm. Sydney and, and Melbourne. That was pretty tough. But a lot of the other states probably didn't quite have 
the same restrictions, but Mm -hmm. everyone in the country has obviously felt the lack of visitors. Like, you know, people haven't been able to move across states and between cities. You know, know, Penny, in the United States, it's been quite a bit worse than in Australia, meaning that the lockdowns are maybe not worse, but the spread of the illness was. And of course, attacking uh, older folks. So it's really been a frightening situation for people in the United States where literally parents were locking their doors and for months or a year even couldn't see their parents, couldn't travel to see their parents, couldn't bring in a babysitter or a, or a housekeeper or a childcare worker mm. or drop their baby off in childcare. So it's been quite extreme and tough enough for parents with a new baby. Imagine parents with a new baby and a toddler to take care of or, or other children. It, it's, it's really been quite a strain. Yeah, it has been really difficult. And I was just doing a little bit of a search on post-pandemic babies because this is going to fund university research till the cows come home about mm-hmm. how this yes. generation has coped, of course. But I've seen everything from suggesting that children that have been sequestered during the pandemic having lower IQs to other people that are saying, oh, well, it's creating stronger bonds with the family. It is going to have had an effect on babies born during this period. Well, I don't think much on the babies. I mean, the babies are the ones who are going to do the best through all of this. Number one, they're least likely they get the illness. And number two, they just want their moms around anyway. So I think that babies will do, will do quite, quite well. I think the parents are really struggling. And we've seen, for example, the numbers of women who are symptomatic with postpartum depression and anxiety, and not just women, men as well, have gone through the roof. The two studies I'm aware of, one of, out of Calgary and one out of uh, Boston, showed that the, about over 30% of new mothers were suffering from clinical depression after having a baby. I mean, that is, that's a second epidemic, if you will. Sure. What were the averages before the pandemic? I mean, how many mums would you expect? It was in the 15% range. 15, maybe 20% would be the high levels. A study in uh, Health by Health Canada showed 23% before the pandemic. Of course, the Canadians are a little bit more morose anyway, and they live (laughs) in a darker climate. So maybe that's something to do with it. I don't know. Um, But but anyway, uh, that's like a 50% increase. That is, that is massive. But the pandemic has also given us something to feel bad about. I mean, it's, it's brought a whole mm. lot of uh, the way we live and, you know, how fragile our society is into some perspective, it which has. is possibly worth being depressed about. Well, we have so many reasons, don't we, to feel, feel challenged at the very least. I, I would say one thing which maybe some of the listeners are not aware of when they hear the term depression especially postpartum depression, because you think of boohoo, sadness, feeling blue. But for many moms, it's actually quite different. It's anxiety. It's, it's kind of intrusive thoughts that you should run away or that you might hurt yourself or you might hurt your baby. Or there, you know, especially during the pan- pandemic, people became very paranoid about the spread of illness and uh, hyperhygienic in their environments. And so the, the brain can really be played tricks upon when you have that new responsibility married, if you will, with extreme sleep deprivation and having a baby who is crying and crying. I was actually just speaking to, to a military member the other day who confirmed to me what I, what I had heard, which is that the United States trains their 
special forces to endure torture by putting them through extended sleep de deprivation with the sound of crying babies over loudspeakers. No way. I mean, that's, that's the average life for a mom and dad, you know, with their newborn baby. But it shows you how corrosive that experience can be if, you, if you're exhausted and you don't have help. And just, or just even somebody else holding the baby, that, mm -hmm. that personal time. I mean, I can't imagine how I would have gotten by without it. And you're exactly right. So, so kind of what you're describing, on the one hand, there's this vicious cycle of negative experiences that can happen when you have a new baby and you're sleep deprived, or even you have older kids and you're <laughs> sleep deprived. But there's also, as you're saying, a virtuous cycle that if you can be successful, if you can get through this, uh, these challenges and do fairly well, you actually feel smarter and more robust and like a better parent. And, and there is an opportunity, you know, there is a silver lining to be able to take this situation and be flexible enough to take it to your advantage. I don't think that's being a Pollyanna to kind of consider it that way. I'll never forget the first time we spoke and you said babies just want to be held 24-7, anything less they reckon they're being ripped off, which is pretty much a baby mentality. And, I mean, there is an advantage to having mum and dad around in the house most of the time. Well, not just to the child, but to the parents. Once you accept your fate, you know, <laughs> once you give into it, you, you can really enjoy this moment that will never come back which is this opportunity. Now, listen, for example, working from home, which was never possible before. Now it's not only possible, but it's, it's recommended. That allows you to have more time. The time you're not commuting, you can spend with your family. You can do little chores. You can just bake bread together or go out and dig in the garden or play catch and have that opportunity that you've been deprived of because you've been working so hard in trying to just support your family. I know that a lot of parents have really appreciated that and have even been willing to put up with the children appearing in the Zoom backgrounds of their meetings <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to do it. I know, it's been quite cute. And many, and many women, especially women, have left the workforce because they realized they could not juggle all those balls. And that's actually, it's interesting, I'm, I'm now working with many corporations that are using... Um, SNU as, a, as a, a way of supporting the families as a benefit, because what we're seeing is that it's just an incredible drain of, uh, of intelligence and experience as these women flee the workforce and our economy really suffers from that loss of expertise. Yeah. Gosh, is there, has there been any movement at all on paid parental leave for the poor women of America? Oh my God, we are, we're, well, you have to understand, we're, we're, we're an underprivileged third world country. We can't really afford, you know, to uh. allow women to take a day off. Not even a day. I mean, it's just, it's so counterintuitive. Well, we just passed $768 billion for our military budget, which, you know, God knowing we, we, we live in a dangerous world. Maybe that's what we need, but to not, recognize that by supporting families, keeping them strong and helping parents be connected to their children, we're making an investment, right? We're making an investment in the next generation, in the workforce of the future, if you want to be callous about it, mm. in the taxpayers of the future. We are learning that a dollar invested in child, the first three years of life, 
is worth $8 invested in higher education and later on. So it's, it's not only the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. And unfortunately, in the United States, it's the elusive thing to be done, apparently. Mm -hmm. But I think we're, we're making, we're, we're building a, a consensus. And we will, you know, we will surge ahead of New Guinea um, <laughs> in, the next, in the next decade. But you know what? I want to just say one comment about this, which is a little confusing for people, which is in Canada, um, like I said, that before the pandemic, 23% rate of post, postnatal depression. During the pandemic, up to 30, 33%. And yet in Canada, they have 50 weeks of paid parental leave. The point being that parental leave, paid parental leave is very, very important, but it's not the only ingredient in the stew. We have to give other types of support as well. And in Australia, you have many, many programs that are supportive of new parents to, to give, um, take care of bub and, and give parents a little bit of a break sometimes when they are being stressed. And having that type of support uh, is really necessary, even above and beyond paid parental leave. One of the things I like to tell people is, you know, you may have paid parental leave, you're home with your child, but if your child is screaming all day and you're getting no sleep, you're going to wish you were at work <laughs> and not being with your baby. And that's where SNU comes in. I, again, I'm not trying to, to, to press the point about that. It could be other products as well. But the point being that we need innovative steps to help children sleep an extra hour or two and help them be safer so that parents are able to, without the extended family help, are able to manage the job at hand. We've seen so many advancements in technology, electric cars and the like. You know, How much is being put into researching making life better for babies in the world? Um, well, there's some. I mean, it's funny. Babies are like the unexplored frontier um, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to research, you know, because um, let's face it, you know, these pressing medical issues really come upon us later in life and, uh, and they become life or death issues. So it's, it's understandable why there would be that, that schism. But it, it, we are and we have done a lot of research over, over the last decade and, and a bit more than that to show the importance of intervention early in life and how a stitch in time saves nine. And we can improve mental health, obviously, around the world, not just because of COVID, but I think also because of the disintegration of the extended family and living in the inner city and not having nature around and maybe overstimulation through social media. I think there are lots and lots of trends that have kind of nudged us into the direction of, of a mental imbalance, anxiety, depression. And a healthy childhood is kind of a, a resilience booster, right? It's, a, it's, it's almost a life preserver that builds resilience early on that becomes really life lessons that we can take with us through the rest of our lives. Yeah. There's been a bit of a trend on TikTok when we sort of talk about resilience, but parents... <laughs> Parents filming their babies or toddlers heading into crowded situations for the very first time, like going to a big hardware store and the babies are just, they can't believe the number of people that are around. I guess we need to start reintegrating into society. And the, I mean, this is the time of year where families get together in Australia for Christmas, summer holidays. There's more mm -hmm. pressure than ever before to get together especially at this time of year. Yeah, what's... Those family snowball fights down there. Uh, no, no, no. Bar barbecues, <laughs> not quite, not barbecues quite. and beach trips. Yes, you know, there is a lot of pressure during the holidays always and for the children to behave well 
and not to get into into trouble. And especially if you're coming off of a lockdown, that can be quite bedazzling and overwhelming for a young child. They just don't know how to act. And, and that's where parents can really help to prepare them ahead of time. Many, many ways to prepare them. You can make a little, start telling stories about what it's going to be like. What are they going to see? What are they going to eat? Um, who's going to be around? Getting them mentally prepared, you can actually color into a little book. And um, I love actually making books for children where you, you know, stitch the pages together or staple them together. And then just, you don't have to be an artist. You can just draw a little crayon cartoon of the person that you're going to see or the people you're going to see. Or even better, you can take photographs off of your phone and print them if you have a printer and then take little pictures that you put onto the page so that the children can start getting mentally prepared because you're you're just going to take it in stride when you see everybody because you've done it so many times. But for a little child, it's really quite a new event and that can throw them off stride and it can lead to more tantrums. They're unsure, they're, they're being approached by strangers whom they don't know who are acting overly familiar with them. It can be a stressful situation for the little ones. Yeah, I saw some footage because Queensland just opened its borders and, of course, the ones that were first off the plane in the airport and on the news report were all the grandmothers. <laughs> the grandmothers were coming for those babies sure. by hook or by crook, I'm you know, and you were sort of wondering whether the babies were going to survive that onslaught. Pushing past the security guards, oh, yeah. knocking them with their elbows. <laughs> yeah. Don't get in the way of a Don't grandmother. Don't get in my way. <laughs> Give me the baby. <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point in that your love and desire to just hug that child is so natural and appropriate, but not necessarily understandable from the child's point of view. And while there's some children, you can just run up in them and, and grab them in your arms and they recognize you from your FaceTime calls and whatnot. And it's a wonderful, beautiful reunion. For others, their, their personalities are a little bit slow to warm up. And so it's important to let them sniff around, so to speak, and and become acclimated and, and for you not to approach them too directly. You really have to play the cards you're dealt and, and understand that children have different temperaments and different personalities. And if the child does get frightened or pulls away or is grabbing mommy's leg and not wanting to go to grandma, she has to back away and maybe unpack a couple of toys. And again, don't be doing the hard sell. Don't don't be handing the toys to the child, but play with them yourself and have the child get a little curious about, hmm, what is it that grandma has that I might want? And, and kind of bring them towards you rather than trying to be too forward in approaching them. That, that's really important. And I, I can still remember being quite small and absolutely overwhelmed by Christmas. But, you know, you're, it's absolutely a good point that we have to take care of the children and we have to understand that we're putting a new stressor on them. And that's our first duty is not to make them just fit with the family. Of course, they do have to be well-mannered and we want to teach them what's expected. That's where this preparation helps. And you can discuss table manners or eating at the table or kissing the relatives or hugging them or, you know, things like that. When they want something, how can they get your attention so that they're not whining and crying? All of those things can be pre-planned and programmed in so that you're eliminating some of the risks. I mean, you can't eliminate everything, but you can have special keywords that when mommy says this, 
you know, I need you to come and help me or something like that. Or here is a little, my little silky kerchief, you can keep it in your pocket. And if you're lonely for me because I'm speaking with grandma or the other relatives, you can touch that and have that. I'll be in your pocket whenever you need me. And make sure that you're giving them special time. It's something that is so helpful for children, which is five or ten minutes of just dedicated time with them. No one else is interfering so that they can feel like they have these little bits of of special attention from you during the day, which is kind of nourishing them with your attention so that they're a little bit less missing it when you might be entertained with other relatives during the celebrations. Yeah, I can see that working for children of all ages and even adults. It's possibly worth planning out how day might go because we're stepping back into an old way of life that we haven't been part of for such a long time. Right. And you don't just have to plan out the good things. You plan out the, you know, when you do doll play with a little toddler and grandma doll comes up and is kissing the doggy doll. It doesn't have to be the child itself. It could be little animal figures. But sometimes it's easier for children to listen to the lessons when it's not talking about them and their grandmother, but little Mr. Little Puppy Dog, Puppy Dog's grandma and what's happening. And when he's unhappy, you know, he's crying and crying. What should grandma do? Or grandma's wanting to give him a big hug and he doesn't like that big hug. It's too strong. And what can he say? Should he say, granny, I love you, but can I sit down now? You know, giving some scripts that help a child understand what their options are, what's acceptable, can go a long way to avoiding friction situations. Yeah, and even to little things like, oh, you sleep in Auntie Frida's special spare room bed and mum will be next door, mm-hmm. or all those scenarios that you might be facing right. up to. And anticipating other things like strange noises they'll be hearing or strange smells. You know, there may be different smells. For little kids, we don't think of it very often as adults, but... The smell is a very powerful sense. And one of the things I'll often recommend, especially for sensitive children who are a bit high strung, is to use some lavender oil on their bed. You know, just put a a couple of drops on their mattress. It smells so good. And then when you travel, you can bring that with you and put a drop or two on the wherever the cot or the bed is that they're going to be sleeping so that they have a familiar smell. They have their familiar teddy bear or blanket so that they're not feeling so bereft of of being, you know, transported out of the safe zone. Oh, really great, great ideas. What's your family planning for Christmas, Dr. Carve? Lots of trouble. Oh, we're excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, a bit, a bit. But my daughter um, just had a baby two months ago. So we're super excited to see them. So um, so she and her husband and our little Lola are going to come out and and visit us in Los Angeles. So we're very excited about that. That's amazing. So have have you had to take a step back, sit on your hands, not be too pediatrician-y to her? (laughs) Well, you know something? She calls me, which is lovely. She trusts me. She's a smart... I mean, I always drove her to school, you know, during elementary school and junior high school and high school. And she would listen to me as I was speaking to patients on the telephone. And so she knows everything anyway. <laughs> so she calls just to confirm and stuff. But it's been, it's been lovely getting to be able to, to you know, give advice for, for my own child or my own grandchild oh. in this case. And uh, we're just so happy to have a baby in the family. Oh, that would be so exciting. What an exciting Christmas. I guess that the fact that we're all still here and 
we have got a lot to look forward to. How are you planning to finish up the year, Dr. Karp? Well, you know, I am filled with gratitude, not just for my granddaughter, but 800,000 people have died in the United States from COVID. I mean, it is just shocking and overwhelming when you think about it. People are struggling and suffering around the world. We have to kind of take a step back and see things in perspective and recognize how blessed and fortunate we are when we have food on the table and our loved ones around us and a, a roof over our heads. Maybe we say a prayer of gratitude and, and really take a moment to recognize that we're really blessed and fortunate to have the things around us that we, that we do. So that's kind of my, my message to myself this, this winter. Dr. Harvey Karp with some great ideas on how to cope with the busy holiday socialising period. And last week on Baby Talk, we heard from another favourite Baby Talk guest, Amy taylor Cabaz, about the beautiful evolution women experience when they become mothers. It's like we've, we've forgotten how to be busy, which isn't a bad thing. We're not used to, I recognise even in myself, when I'm caught in crowds now at the shopping centre, everyone's a little bit too close and everyone's a bit louder than I remember. It's because our senses aren't used to that again. So we have to really give ourselves some kindness and compassion about going back into this and say no. You know, just because the borders are open doesn't mean you have to run to Auntie Joan's house for Christmas lunch, you know. Honour the fact that you have been through a lot and it's okay to take your time with this. Amy's Baby Talk podcast can be found online on the Baby Talk page and on the ABC Listen app and, of course, iTunes. I'm Penny Johnston, and I will see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Digital Radio, wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.